Black in a box. Like stick 50 pence in him. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I've, lost, I've lost my head. I've lost my head. <laughs> Meat is done out. <laughs> Welcome to another Black in a Box. The world is told by black faces in white spaces. You, a- Ali. Hi. What's up? What's up? My legs are tired. You're telling me. Yeah, just, you know, cheeky half marathon. Look at him downplaying it. My man ran a half marathon in... Tell the people your time. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> Does it sound more impressive in hours and minutes or just straight minutes? I think hours and minutes. Hours more and minutes. Impressive. Yeah, well, 128. It's 28. unbelievable time. So. Unbelievable time. It was uh, big flowers to Dan. Cheers, mate. It's a good day. It's a good day. And it, I tell you, I what, did the same thing last night, and it took me two hours and ten minutes. Yeah, <laughs> there's your context. It's it's <laughs> not. There are not many times, like as an adult anyway, that I have to like you have to like really train towards doing a thing yeah. and like there's no way to get around it so it was so it's four months training basically and even like i, I stopped potting i had like two pints in the last seven oh. weeks <laughs> and that's what potting is <laughs> and yeah i literally i remember thinking with three miles left i was like i cannot wait to have a pint but you know, good day. You smashed it, man. Yeah, I was, I was Cheers. really impressed. Well done, well done. And, and, and Alana kind of, with a true hater spirit, is like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna one up you. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because I definitely haven't been training for the last <laughs> eight months for anything. But it's fine because we'll talk about it next time. But I do want to highlight something that is in alignment with what Dan has done as an accomplishment and as a testament to resilience and perseverance. And that is that I'm doing a little uh, event as well. And I'll talk about that later. Um, but after the event is done, but I don't want to take away from Dan's shine. So later, you can just skip to that episode now. <laughs> yes. So you can skip to the next episode where I'll take Dan's shine from him. But for now, um, I'm fundraising for two black mental health charities, one in the UK, one in the US. So the Black Mental Health Alliance in the US and Black Minds Matter in the UK. Um, Again, as a part of just building this thing and supporting this thing that we on this podcast have always talked about being really um, important to us. So if you want to learn more about that, you can go to gofundme.com slash F slash... Iron Man for mental health. Do this. The link's below. Yeah. And the link's below. Or is it here? Or is it here? Or here? Or here? Or here? Or here? I've got the creative license. <laughs> the link will be somewhere. The link will be somewhere. <laughs> or see my Instagram for the link. Now, this almost feels sacrilegious. We're going to take down some sacred cows. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing sacrilegious about this. Really? Nothing. Really? I mean, this feels like this feels like when we had Simeon on and it wasn't a, it wasn't it wasn't a hundred percent effusive of Beyonce. I was maybe ninety five percent and he seized on it. He was he seized on that five percent, not even doubt. It was, I was like, Yeah, it was 
amazing. And then the 5% was, yeah, it was, it was just good. And that, yeah, I could see his eyes turned and he went channel four news on me. And this is how it is in the UK now when you want to talk about certain man. Black cultural heavyweights. Get it off, Dan. People who've done lots. People who are beyond reproach in terms of their own output, but sometimes they're involved in things which aren't as good as the other things that they've done. Is that okay? Give some examples, Dan. Is that okay? People are saying, <laughs> and I am people. <laughs> <laughs> That Top Boy isn't as good as it was when it when it first rolled out. You can lie to me and tell me this is the house <laughs> of the first series, but I saw it before elsewhere. There's people who love gang signs and prayer. Really? They exist. <laughs> <They're as dumb. laughs> and there are people who feel Storms is not making music for them anymore. There's a really interesting argument to be had about where critique begins and ends with institutions such as Stormzy is an institution now beyond his music with something like Top Boy which has involved so many of our, our brightest artistic talents mm -hmm, mm -hmm. none of them were writing on the show but um, there is a question about is the critique and the critical backlash merited when they get to that point where they're right on the top of the mountain and people are like, oh, this isn't as good as it used to be. This isn't what it was about. You've gone away from the streets. What are you doing for the storyline? Who are you making this for? And I'd be interested to know which side of the fence you guys sit on when it comes to critiquing, um, not necessarily peak black art, but black art created by some of our, our biggest names. Ah, uh, right. I think social media, we like to have this like whole gatekeeping mentality, right? I think it's clear, it's clear that Top Boy used to be better. It's clear that Stormzy used to be a different artist to the one he is now. Once you get to a certain size, you kind of have to decouple the expectations of the initial fans and the people that they're making that piece of art for now. So we use Stormzy as an example, we use Top Boy. When I was thinking about this, I was thinking about who are three of the biggest rappers in the US right now? Drake, Kendrick. J. Cole, right? Yeah, sure. They all came out at the same time. Does anyone really hold Drake to the same standards as Kendrick and J. Cole anymore? No, but what do you mean? like? Because Drake isn't for the people that he was rapping for when he first came out. Like it's like he just was like, I'm going the pop star route. And I genuinely think that's the way that we need to look at Stormzy now. Yeah, but I he was a pop star when he first came out too. Yeah, I think he was he was always not, not with not, not with element. like wicked skangman and stuff like that. He was it maybe it was a little bit easier he to digest. Drake. Drake wasn't a pop star when he first came through. I feel like uh, he had Peter Bjorn and John on that on that. I'm I'm talking about like so far gone comebacks. Season. Yeah, he had I'm, Peter Bjorn and John. But I'm I'm talking Victoria about Victoria Bergson. No, not at all, because they were all on each other's stuff. They were all making music with each other. They were making very similar content in terms of the subject matter. 
they were doing the same kind of thing. And you get to like album three and that's when they diverge completely. Yeah. And I think that's the difference here. Like Stormzy, Wicked Skang Man, doing his freestyles and all that kind of stuff. That's a very different target market to now. Like I don't expect to, like, I couldn't even tell you the last Stormzy song that I heard that I liked. I yeah, but then is that like an absence of critique? I mean, that is the critique is that people are not. But but should we should we critique music? pop music like like mass market pop music to the y same level as we critique art that is yeah obviously sure. for a spe spe sure, specific there's amazing group. pop music. There's banging pop. Music you you get some great quality. music which co which co crosses over. I agree with that completely. But I think most things that are made for the mass market are formulaic rather than oh, great sure. content. Yeah, but I, I think, think that's where he is. I think that's where, well, that's where he's heading. I think that's where Drake is. Like, you're never really yeah. going to get that real, real depth in anything that he yeah, makes because he doesn't need to. And I think the same with Top Boy. That's like it's Drake got involved in Top Boy. But if people put something out, it's fine. It's going to do numbers. If people love, but there are people who are like who are really about pop music and they will critique it like it's that they'll critique it all as though it's like us critiquing um, the new Kendrick album. Yeah, but they'll also buy it, and that's that's the that's the end. The, the most important point here: loads of people are going to buy it regardless, so it doesn't matter what the depth is there. I don't think it matters if the quality is that good because people are going to buy it. But that's the, it's you know it's uh, I think that's a a bit of a cop out to the subject saying well, yeah, but people are buying it, so you know. But that's it. Like no one buys McDonald's because of how good it tastes, really, do they? It's because it's quick and easy. Ah, uh, I buy McDonald's because it's delicious. It ain't, come on. There's better things you can get out there, but it mm -hmm. takes more to go and get it. And I I'd, I'd I'd genuinely see these artists as being like that in all of the different mediums. It's like, it's quick, it's easy. We were, me and Jan were talking about this last night. We were like, right, I was trying to remember the, I was trying to remember the last Stormzy song that I really liked. And I couldn't pinpoint which album it was on because I forgot that he even had an album out last year or the year before potentially. Yeah. That Mel made me do it. There was this huge, like big foray around that because of the video and everyone that was involved is in it. That, that what does his, that tune that, sound like? That was his This Is America. What does that record sound like? Mel made me do it. Yeah. I started, well, I'm not going to say this because um, I just started thinking of Vossy Bop. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. Vossy Bop was the last big track that was like, that stuck it with me. Not. And that's these things like when it's mass market, it doesn't need to stick with people. It's like, get it out. Do numbers. Shout we'll on to the next one. Shout out my guy Jordan at WME. Still trying to work with you. <laughs> Storms this guy. Like, I don't have any issue with these people. I'm like, go get your money, do your thing. But I think once you got to those levels, and I think this is where it gets difficult for the artists because I think a lot of them they want to make their money, but they also want to still have that respect. But, but so, I think you but, get to a certain level. Nah, but have those two things. But and say this is where I disagree on some. You say he's not making it for the same people. I would disagree completely. He's, it's it's Beyonce like what he's tried to do. He's tried to follow the exact template where you are still making it for exactly those same people, but you've acknowledged that those people have grown up with you, so they're the same, they're the same age. That's why he, that's why he goes to the trouble of being a historian and understanding who can I get in this video? Oh, I'm gonna get Mega Man, all these different black cultural heavyweights because those are the people that he respects to as his elders, and he knows that his audience at the time who have grown up with him, they look up to as well. So yeah. that's the whole thing with Beyonce having all these different influences where, you know, people like me have said, well, well, she's just doing this for, for show. When it's her, you're like, yeah, she, but she understands it and she's the greatest artist ever, but you're not giving Stormzy now the same credit for doing the same thing because you don't like the music. 
I think you've got to be. Maybe I am. Maybe I think you've got to be. I think you've got to be. That is very. I think you've got to be fair there. That is very fair, but I then also do think that a lot of the time, it's very rare for an artist just to do things to do it. And I think when they get to that level, for me, and I'm not saying that he's done this. There could be an element of putting that in to make it look like you are still where you want to be perceived to be. Mm. You still are for the streets. You still are for originality. You still are for the culture. But then, if the music, if the product says something different, then was it true? Was it real what you were doing there? Or was it just to do it, to keep him in these conversations? I don't know. Well, yeah. you know Maybe I am being tough. Specifically with Stormzy, it's funny because I went to the, um, what was it, All Points East or Field Day that was yeah. put on by this, Stormzy. This is what we mean, Day. It's on yes. Friday. Yes, yes, yes. And I feel like, obviously this is a live, this was a live festival performance um, where Stormzy was the headliner and he had like gathered together other artists that he really wanted to showcase, which was, it was awesome by the way. Um, and you could tell in his audience that they were people mainly of our age range. Um, and then there were also some people who were probably newer fans or younger fans, but everybody was pretty much our age or older. Um, and I feel like in his stage performance, there was a real acknowledgement of this is the music that made me where I'm from. I still hang on to this. But then I think he even said at one point that he was like grateful to be able to evolve as an artist and to talk about the things that he was experiencing now and not. I'm not the biggest fan of his new stuff either because to me, as soon as it starts to go into like love territory, <laughs> I'm like snooze. But I think he there is an awareness there that he has changed and his lifestyle has changed. So his music is going to change. And I do think there is a big element of him making music for himself. Obviously there will be the commercial appeal too and that sort of persuasion. But I think he is evolving. It's just maybe... I think it's less about, maybe not less, as the audience member, the listener, the viewer, I think I would want to be conscious of when I was introduced to an artist at a certain time in my life and it really hit me emotionally, I'm gonna be hanging on to that to some extent and that's always gonna impact how I critique and that's the, the most stuff important that point. They... That is the most important point. Yeah, but is that on the artist or is that me? No, as no. The so that's consumer? that's on us. That's on us. It's because we are idiots, right? And I think that us isn't all music fans either. I think we are a small group of music fans in terms of people that take music that seriously. Yeah. I think most people that consume music do not have that relationship with music. No, they don't. It's like, is it a catchy tune? Does it sound good in the club? Does it sound good in my car? Is it on the radio whilst I'm on my way to work? That's it. And I think that. I'm speaking about this not as someone who was a huge Stormzy fan ever or was a massive Top Boy fan when it was Summerhouse. Like, mm -hmm. I liked both. I never loved both. So it's like, I've not hung on to them. I just think it's like, they were made for a certain group of people at a certain time and people hold on to that for the reasons that you just said, which makes it more difficult to come to terms with, I think, when they move away from that, which is, I think, one of the reasons why I still have a little bit of distaste well, so much distaste for Drake <laughs> because I was like 18, 19, 20 years old when he started. And it's like, you've moved so far away from what I liked you for, which is why I now hold more contempt towards you. So I, I just think that there's there's nothing wrong with the likes of what Stormzy does. I think, I actually think he's probably more honest than other artists that I could have used as another example. But I also do think once they start to move in that direction, the critique's just different. Can what I provide think, a, Jello? Yeah, yeah, I just want to provide a 
quick defense for Stormzy and musical artists in general. Um, we don't hold actors to the same standard. Um, we kind of, there is no, we don't call like a Stanley Tucci a hypocrite for doing a uh, Transformers kind of film when we love him for art house because we recognize, well, actors have got to get paid and mm. you know, they get paid for each role and all of that. Um, and so kind of, bit, I feel quite objective when it comes to Stormzy because I've always kind of just seen him as like this plucky little South Londoner. He makes his music and he's got his crew and he's growing it quite organically. So I've never, I've never been like a huge fan, but I do recognize that um, I was having a conversation with one of the UK's most successful theater artists. And I asked them, what would be your dream next role? And they were, they were in a, they were the lead character in a hit show on the West End. And they just said employment. <laughs> and and, I, and I'm sitting there thinking, hold on a second, you are literally in a show that is sold out every night. You are winning awards for your performance and your response is employment. We kind of, I'm sure that kind of artists like Stormzy are looking at the metrics and going, okay, this is what I might need to do. Because the thing is, is the jobs that we have, they're nine to five, you retire at 60, you get a clock, go and retire in the shires but you can do that job for 40 years. When you're not hot as an artist yeah. anymore, you're done. And I was reminded of what, do you remember Scully kind of wasn't, he, he said that the Kendrick, the last Kendrick album that, that you guys loved so much, he said it wasn't really hitting with the people that he was talking to. And there is that kind of thing of like, yeah, Kendrick, we love Kendrick, but we'll, the thing is the people that Kendrick seemed to be appealing to, young, relatively affluent people of color will go and buy his stuff. And and I think that with Spotify now and the targeting, there is this, there has to be a level of cynicism. I went to watch um, a concert the other week of an artist that I absolutely love. And I was thinking, this artist should be in a huge venue. But the venue they were in was absolutely packed out. And I'm sure that's probably because they look at the geographic location of where these streams are coming from and they kind of probably have got a profile of the wealth of the people that buy it and they go if you if you do a concert here you'll sell out mm -hmm. and so it's not a def it's not a defense of any musical artists art but i will defend them from the point of view that the, the art sector is so tough mm -hmm. and staying relevant is literally how they keep money in their pocket and so i'm not going to hold Stormzy to a different standard than I would hold a West End leading ever, actress. Ever, like 100%, I agree with you. I agree with you, absolutely. Okay, but what about Top Boy? What about a show, like an entity? Well, I, I think you literally decouple it as two different things. One's for Hollywood, one wasn't. The, the one thing I'll say about Top Boy, and I checked in right at the start of Top Boy and then checked out immediately. And the reason that I checked out is because we have seen how you can do a, for want of a better phrase, cops and robbers show with nuance, and it's the wire. You, you didn't, you, there, was a, there was a moral ambiguity to those characters, both on the side of the police and on the side of the streets. And I always have struggled with Top Boy because I feel that the stereotypes it plays into are so broad and so designed for a gaze that isn't mine that I've, I've never, ever really been able to take up for it. That's not, again, again, a critique of the actors that are playing on it. I kind of have a lot of respect for Kano and um, Ashley Waters. 
Um, I think they've they've clearly done great jobs and they'll be recognised. But I also thought that that show was a little too uh, paint by numbers uh, in the sense of I'm just tired of black UK stories that are focused on the streets. <laughs> I, I get that, but we're speaking, I think in both respects, we're kind of like jaded consumers almost. We've seen but it all. I think that is true to an extent. Like taking like Stormzy, as you said, I, I feel like I agree with what both of you are saying. I think his whole sort of driving ambition and driving motivation now is, is is essentially bigger than music. So the music is at this point, and he seems to be a really really good role model. He is more important than his music. He's entirely for themselves. And I saw some of the chatter was that people find it hard to relate to him now with some Which of his stupid. Stuff. I mean exactly, you know, how how are people relating to 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 future or uh, and this is Rick, 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 this Rick actually Rick Scully spoke about this, didn't he? One of the issues with grime now, yeah, in that we just hold on to it. It's like you, you're not allowed to evolve. You're yeah. not allowed to become bigger than a certain thing or an area. Mm. Whereas I think with Top Boy, I, I I think it's a pretty it's a pretty fair critique of of a show which I think started out a bit nearer and and a bit rawer and a bit closer to the communities that people lived in and people understood and people saw and it had these faces that people love from from music and from art and people got it whereas as you say now because it's made by it's made f- for by a transatlantic team yeah mm-hmm. creating a show which is then almost cosplaying as a, as a UK gritty drama it has lost that focus and it has lost that edge and i think it very much is pretty deserving i'd say of of, yeah. of some of some of the criticism that it's getting um i mean what are there 27 gun murders a year <laughs> a year full stop like i think like shoot there might even be shootings here there's something like there's something like a really tiny tiny amount and every 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 one of them is in top boy uh, every, <laughs> yeah i feel the same way about top boy the same way that i now feel about black nfl quarterbacks 20 years ago i couldn't I wouldn't have been able to criticize a black NFL quarterback because it's like, we haven't quite had enough, but I just got to support it so that it's viable. So it was almost like that thing of like, I've got to, I was like Issa Rae, you know, I'm supporting everybody black. Mm-hmm. But now Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback that's walking. Mm-hmm. You've got your Dak Prescott, you've got an in-crop of young, talented black quarterbacks. So I can say about a black quarterback, oh, he's mediocre. The problem is with specifically black UK television, we don't have enough to critique it. Because yes, we've got Dreaming While Black, which I, I think is, is very, very good. Um, and, but then I'm like, my mom still watches Desmond's. And I can't, I can't be like, mom, you should be watching this other yeah. black uh, majority uh, comedy because I'm like, there really hasn't been that many. And so that's why I struggle to, to critique Top Boy as a UK show. No, as, as a UK show, I won't criticize it, but as a black show, I'm like, we've seen examples. Like we live in a world where there's insecure, where and mm-hmm. insecure was hyper-local as well. Let's not pretend yeah. that like everybody knew all of those LA references. I know I certainly didn't, but all right, all right, Alana. <laughs> um, but I will say that kind of Top Boy suffers from not having 
other great shows that focus on other parts of the black experience in the UK. And the the big critique, which isn't a top boy specific critique, is that can we that like there are lots of people in the UK that are black and did not grow up in the hood, like. Mm-hmm. And we need to kind of start telling more stories, and you can't. And the, the annoying thing no, they is, need to, they need to start commissioning more stories. Yes, they yeah. do. But and I and I get it. They'll go. We're well, the stories, the stories, stories, the stories that make money are the ones that are gritty. And it's like, what, what have you tried? Yeah, but there yeah. was like chewing gum, and there was I made a story. We talked about this and how chewing there... gum won award. Uh, I made a story. You won awards. I don't know how how viewed it was. Ditto chewing gum. Chewing gum's absolutely brilliant. One of the best things I've ever seen. Yeah. It wasn't. It was cult classic, and that's why the wire nearly didn't get its full five seasons because it's a cult classic. It wasn't viewed. But to to bring this back to criticism, I think you said you wouldn't, you didn't want to criticize it because there's too few shows. I think it's still okay to say that we can want more. Yeah, absolutely. From these shows. I think it's still okay to say Kano is an unbelievable actor. Who plays Jack? His ability to... Because she's also ja- Is it something Joblin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Ja- Janice Joblin or something. Incredible. Um, Those two, they carried the season. Exactly. And and still say, but doesn't make any sense just because it's a drug drama. You don't have to get some Irish gangsters in. You had just, you had I, just, I love Little Sims. She didn't need to You're be like just scouse. Come home. So today was a, a really cool day in the sense that um, the nominees found out who'd been nominated for the UK Theatre Awards. And who? It's, any, th- there's lots of them. Any scoops? Like. The nominees are on there. But, but my point... Who's the best? Well, the, those that have been nominated. <laughs> why, are you, why are you sitting on the fence? I'm not sitting on the fence. If you let me make my points, you'll see how not on the fence I'm sitting. Let him land. Uh, yeah, let me, let me. So, but one, there was, there was a show that, um, basically what happens is, is all the critics come in, they nominate shows and then we discuss. Um, and I nominated a show. And my, the reason I nominated the show is, A, I thought it was really good, but B, it was a, major, it was a majority global, uh, majority cast. And it was looking at a Victorian era play and it it was um, supported by an exhibition of black Victorians uh, portraits that just showed oh they weren't just in human zoos they were shoe smiths they were had middle management jobs and all of this and I wanted to nominate it because I said the thing is is it hinted at all of these bigger things around it but it didn't make it the central pack plank of its show but the show still worked because it was really good. And it ended up not getting nominated. And one of the other critics said that part of it needed to be uh, more prominent for it to kind of reach for what it was doing. And I suddenly realized my positionality. And this is no, like, there's no shape. We have disagreements all the time as critics. This is, but it was one of those where I went, I'm the only person of color in this room. And I recognize that there is a very difficult balancing act to be found there. Because if they come in and it's uh, kind of, they keep referencing the blackness in this show, which is inherent, um, maybe it's going to win some awards and it's gonna be called groundbreaking, but people like us are gonna be like, well, hold on, there's there's more to it. You didn't need to, mm-hmm. the lens didn't need to be there. And, and I think that this is the difficulty for people that are making art that centers global majority of people in the UK is finding the right lens is absolutely impossible because if you get the lens right for the four of us sitting here, it's probably not gonna be right for the people that you need to watch it to commission it. Mm-hmm. So- Like Stormzy and like Drake. And like, and like Top Boy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
we're going to now talk about the Peckham shop salt. Now, for those not aware of, of, of what happened in this particular incident, a woman was believed to have been shoplifting or caught in the act of shoplifting in a hair shop which predominantly serves black hair products. Um, the shop itself is uh, Asian-owned and it's one of a, a, a huge chain, actually. I'm not sure if it's a chain, so to speak, but they, they own multiple like multiple different uh, hair shops throughout south london some in north london um which is you know it comes as a surprise to, to many people that a lot of those shops are owned by by non-black people and this woman was believed to have been caught in the act of stealing and a video went viral of this woman being <clears throat> essentially being strangled um and, and being choked and, and and sort of dragged out of the shop this was in Peckham, one of the the, the the few remaining predominantly black areas. And there was people on the streets, there was violence, there was protest, the shop was closed, shuttered, and I don't believe it's opened again since. There's a lot to unpack here um, in, the, in the context of, of community ownership, in the context of catasm, in the context of violence yet again against black women, in the context of the assumption of 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 guilt, of of, of wrongdoing against against black women, against black people in general. Now I'm I'm gonna pass this to you, Jello, and I'm interested you've you've recently moved back to London. How did hearing about this make you feel particularly did it make you feel any differently having just undergone that sort of change uh, in your own life? I think the proximity of it made me feel it more. That's a very human reaction, right? That if something happens near where you are, you feel it a lot more. And I wanna, it's not push back, but I think it's important that that we kind of, so she, I the reporting on this when it first came out, um, the woman was accused of theft. We don't know mm. that she was stealing. There are reports that have come out saying that she wanted to return some faulty items. Mm. The store policy um, is that you can't return. They recognize that there was a fault. There was a standoff. And so she then tried to kind of take goods up to the value of what was being of what had been returned. And I think it's re it's not a, it's not a fault on you, Dan, because obviously no, if you look at the the stories as they come out, they all say a woman accused of theft. And yeah. I it really brought me back to when I was doing my masters and I went to my when I was doing my dissertation and I went quite apologetically to my dissertation supervisor and I said, I'm you know, some of the sources that I'm using aren't necessarily academic because I'm trying to get black writers on the topic that I was writing about and they're not being featured in the most academic places and they just went well then use those sources like almost like F the Academy if they're not going to highlight these these voices and and I and I think the reason the first thing that I thought was we're going to hear from everybody apart from this woman and the, the the original framing of the story is always going to be a thief and then that woman was the first person that was taken in by the police. We yep. see a video where a man literally wraps his arms around this woman's neck, chokes her out. I thought after 2020 that as a, as a, as a, as a nation of human beings, we went, 
can't be choking out people, especially black people. Like they've definitely got their being choked out pass. And so to see the story start from that point was very, very troubling to me. Um, uh, so that in terms of how it made me feel, yeah, I felt a bit more strongly because I'm closer. I know we've all got a lot to say about this. So I'll, I'll kind of step back and I'm sure I can come back in later. I wanted to kind of throw it over to you, Alana. Um, what were your kind of, what was your emotional response when this all started kind of appearing on your feed? So I didn't actually see the video first. I read the articles first. So I kind of was like reserving, I needed more information in the beginning because to your point, it says a woman accused of theft is um, assaulted by the shopkeeper. And I was like, okay, so, and then I read his, uh, te not testimony, but his words saying that she hit him with a basket, hit, was attacking him. And then I was like, okay, so I need more information here. I still think we only have that small clip. So when I finally was able to see the video, then it occurred to me, nothing that this woman was taking, which by the way, was of the value of like 24 pounds. Um, nothing that this woman was taking and whatever word she was using would warrant this man literally manhandling her. Strangling her. Strangling her, yeah. And at first didn't even seem like he was trying to push her out of the store. Looked like he was trying to detain her to take back this, again, 24 pound product or a couple of products, um, which she wasn't hiding, nothing like that. I think from the articles, like you said, she had was trying to do some sort of exchange. He wasn't gonna do the exchange or honor, whatever it was, and so she just took the items. Um, for me, you know, regardless of whether it, this woman had an attitude or whatever, this is the response of this guy is so out of turn. And I think the fact that this woman, even with this evidence of this guy assaulting her was the one who was arrested. And I couldn't read anything that said that this man had been arrested. He's finally been taken in and okay. questioned, uh, I believe, under caution. Uh, but that happened a number of days after. Okay. Like two days after. Property's more valuable than poor people, though, right? Well, that's what the police are here for. Exactly. Hey, how many of you have had something stolen in public and also. the police go, um, well, here's your crime number. What, are you going to do an investigation? Bro, take your crime number and get your insurance. Yeah. <laughs> that is how the police roll. Um, and this categorically just would not happen to a white woman. It just wouldn't. You cannot tell me that if... I'm not, I'm not. I'm not sure about that. I think it'd be more. You don't think that? No, 100%. 100%. I, you think this man? I think. Would I think it would happen to, to poor white people, but yeah. at a much lower. Poor, maybe. Yeah, of course. That's that's poor. It's not going to happen to a middle class white woman, but it would happen to a poor white woman. Not at the rate that it would for black women. Do, not at all. Yeah. But 100%, it would happen to her. Like you got to remember, I grew up in the the northern ends. <laughs> yeah, I saw white women getting manhandled by men as well. Like that shit happens, just not at the rate that it does to black women. Yeah, I mean we're living in a post-Sir Everard world, and I remember at the vigils, white women were being manhandled by the police. Yeah. We have seen mm. in the last couple of but years. But by the police, also different power structure, I think. Yeah, of course, of course, of course, and and I think that's. I th <laughs> so when this happened, I started talking to to black women, and. There was there was anger, but there was just tiredness. Yeah, and none mm -hmm. of this. Um, and and I was waiting for um, Nadine White's article. Nadine White 
for those of you that don't know, is the UK's only race correspondent. And she pointed out that there are so many examples where, which are not linked specifically, but if we see ourselves, when people look like us, we put ourselves in their positions. So May, 90 year old black woman with dementia was handcuffed and put into a spit hood. Uh, Selena Boyd, the CEO of Coco, uh, her car tires were slashed in an alleged racist attack near her home. Black women are twice as likely to be a victim of cyber flashing. Uh, there were systemic failings that contributed to the death of Aisha Cleary, a black baby whose extremely vulnerable teenage mother gave birth alone in her prison cell. We know about the maternal mortality rates for women of color. It gets to a point where you go, this this shop is going to fill the full force because of all those other things. As most Steph said, why did one straw break the camel's back? Here's the secret, the million other straws underneath it. And this store in Peckham is, I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't able to reopen. And I don't feel any way. And I think it's going to carry the can for a lot of these incidents. Well, maybe it's like the Montgomery <laughs> uprising <laughs> where people are just, tired of it like you said it's not even so much a in necessarily an outrage it's a no not anymore not today type of response we can't we can't check we can't beat the system but we can beat you and you you ain't gonna be protected um it's yeah, so like she said with black women's hair is political and you know when you're when you're going for jobs not smart enough when you're in school that's too that's too long that doesn't adhere to school um to school standards when you're just going to get product the treatment like that they're that they're suffering is um emblematic of something which they just have to sort of constantly carry around with them um moving moving the because it's easy to go this is bad i don't and and it is bad it's awful um but one of the things I've been interested in, in online discourse when there is some kind of fuckery that happens to black women is how many people spend unbelievable amounts of energy trying to then discredit that black woman. And the yeah. thing is, it, what interests me is that a lot of the groups that recognize when it happens to black men suddenly seem to develop some retrograde amnesia when they see the same thing happening to black women. Because remember when it happens to a black guy, I thought he was seven foot 12 and 74 stone and my life was a threat. And that's in, that's a UK thing as well, by the way, because that happened in Scotland uh, with uh, the death at the hands of the police of Sheikh Bayou. And they kind of said that he was this monstrous beast and he was smaller than most of the officers that were there at the time of his death. I'm using very, you know, legal language. Um, so this is not just an American thing. We see it and it's kind of like, well, she was being rude. She was, uh, there was, there's one uh, re uh, reporter who got to interview the uh, shop owner, described her as a road girl. And it's like, what's a road girl? What do you, what do you mean a road girl? What, what, what do you mean in this context? Because we have a whole term called Karen where white women will do outrageous stuff and they do it safe in the knowledge that they're probably, there is a chance, as Dom said, but they're probably not gonna get choked out in the store. Um, and I just kind of, I wanna know why do, sir, and it's, it's black guys, 
it is black guys, and I'm seeing it on TikTok ever more. There's there's an incident in the states where a black woman has been attacked, and there are there are lots and lots of black guys who are like, she's a scammer, she's a this, she's lying, and it's like, what, where where is the same benefit of the doubt that is afforded? And I guess I'll throw it over to either Dan or Dom. Why do we think that there are a certain section of black guys that when black women say fuckery's happening to us, their response is. Let me just kind of get my FBI hat on and make sure that you didn't do something in 1978, which might in then invalidate what you're saying now. Because a lot of black men ain't shit, Jella. <laughs> That's a long and short of it. And but, men, to be honest. I mean, obviously. Yeah, yeah but I'm, we do, no, let's, let's keep ourselves under the microscope. Yeah. Let's be uncomfortable. Yeah. A lot of us ain't shit. Yeah, that's it. And I mean, we spoke about this before and I'll just, it's the last thing I'll say. It's like, it's, all that's happening now, you know, we've gone past, all this time has passed since, you know, the civil rights movement and all these equality laws. All that's happening now is I'm just watching um, black people get assaulted, get murdered in better quality video. Uh -huh. And then the guy's doing interviews on Channel 4 News again after being, you know, people can see him on the timeline choking someone, choking a black woman in 4K. And then he's interviewed a few days later. Is it your, are you, <laughs> yeah. are you normal? That's the full name. Who's, um, who's full name? The man colloquially and oh, racistly Mr. known. Aki. Disrespectfully. It's purple, purple well. Aki. I, I, I brought the topic. I brought the topic today, and it's a, it's something certain subsect of of men who train from anywhere from Liverpool to probably Leeds between the ages of twenty and forty will have heard stories of a man named racistly named Purple Aki. He will squeeze your muscles. Now, just stay with me because it's going to take a bit of explaining. This man is known for going around gyms all over the place, usually pure gyms for like the last 10, 15 years. And he's got an obsession with literally it goes as far as literally like squeezing people's muscles, like, you know, making people tense up and say, oh, well, you're pretty big. Like... He's a he's a big bloke. He's like six two. Mm. Look, don't, don't, don't can't take it. Can't believe it. And there's there is an undertone to this because it's been like a it's it's gone round the story's gone round gyms. It's you know it's gone round playgrounds of this guy who you know he'll go around town he'll squeeze your muscles. It's a joke to men because men make a joke out of everything and men struggle to talk about things you know which uh are quite serious sometimes and this guy was a harasser he did target certain people like repeatedly for with, with this kind of behavior in one case it ended in tragedy when this this lad who was obviously sort of fearful of his life having had so many of these different encounters that he tried to i think he tried to flee the man and ended up ended up dead so it's a bit of background into the man. His full name is Akinwale Oluwafolajimi Oluwatope Arabike, commonly owned by the name Purple Aki. Now, 
there's a lot to this, and the reason why we're talking about it today was on X. Don't bother that. Oh. Lol. On Twitter last <laughs> week, last week I think it was actually it's September the sixth. His name was trending, and rumors as it is always on 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 Twitter. Sue me, Elon. That <laughs> someone, yeah, someone's died. People are sharing memes, gallows humor, and it was real sort of mixed emotions for a number of people. And I saw people talking about this how. The, the serious undertones to you know that I, I mentioned at the top were also coloured by the fact that this guy's nickname came from a place of racism, the colour of his skin. That's where the nickname f- came from, Purple Aki. Yeah. There was a BBC <laughs> documentary where a, a, a Scouse gentleman tried to track down, uh, track down, track the man down, figure out the story behind him told like explained a bit of the myth and legend no point in the documentary which i think is 15 to 20 minutes did he mention uh where the nickname came from and it's part of me just feels like it really i don't know conflicted about how how this uh how his name has has sort of become normalized because you know this this guy is is a bit of a bogeyman in society it made me wonder if if he didn't look like he did and he didn't have the nickname that he did would this would we have ever heard of him but yeah i th- i think i guess to 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 bring it into a talking point has he specifically become uh this kind of black bogeyman as it were black squatch black black squatch <laughs> very good play on words purely because You've been sitting on that for a while, haven't that you? That is just yeah. to me. That doesn't happen very often. Yeah, Be- purely because of the of the of the color of his skin, and you know, and we, we've spoken previously about how black men are often given this kind of superhuman like mythos around them. You know, when when they spend two or three days in the gym, um, <laughs> if you're above five foot ten, <laughs> um, if he wasn't who he is physically. Do we feel like this? You know, he he would be able to live his life, potentially get help, potentially had a, a I don't know a different outcome or or not been the the subject to the reputation that he's got. I don't know. I don't know if I'm if I'm explaining that. Yeah, part. no, I get what you mean. I think that his outward appearance is one why he's a bit of a legend, I guess, not in the positive sense, mm. um, but also the reason that he was able to become so well known and why I don't think much has ever happened to him in terms of someone retaliating because people are scared of big black men. Honestly, I think that's what it is. Because I if I think back to university, like I'm not a small person, mm. but I'm also not ginormous. And my nickname, which sounds stupid because it's so basic, but most people refer to me as Big Black Dom. There was one Dom. <laughs> <laughs> oh there wasn't two doms. There wasn't a smaller black dom. There wasn't a little dom. In in the circles that we ran in, there was one dom. Yeah. So it's like why why is the big black on top of that? So I think these things are just normalised so much when you are, and it's important. I think the context that Aki is in the north, where it's not like you're in London, it's not like you're where we are right now. You're going to stand out regardless, and I honestly think there will be certain people who think it's an almost end, like endearing part of his, of his name. It's like, oh, it's just purple Aki. Like, and I know that sounds ridiculous, but 
one, I don't think he'd have been able to get away with it with as many people as he has if he was the same size and he was white, because there's been studies in the States, haven't there, that you will have two silhouettes that are exactly the same. People can not really tell the difference. If you get a white man and a black man, people are exactly the same body dimensions, people perceive the, the black man as a bigger person and same with black women as well. So I think that's the reason that he's been able to become this huge legend, this, this um, topic amongst men in the North for as long as he has been. But it's it's almost like his gift, for want of a better word, and his curse. Like that's how he becomes a thing. But to the question of like, would it would it be different if he wasn't black? I mean, I think what I think what would have been different is the coverage of this person in the news, and also you had mentioned like there was nothing about has he ever been offered help or because to me this is someone who's like at the end of the day he was harassing people and he mm. was harassing men so like it's not like he was some innocent victim um and i think maybe also because of the fact that he was harassing men it wasn't taken the same way as if he were saying these same things to women because yeah. it would have been totally yeah, different mm. so i i think that we shouldn't discount that just because this was happening to men or boys that it's not as serious like it is it is still harassment um but when i was trying to look up because obviously i don't <laughs> i didn't know anything mm. about this until you brought it up i was trying to see okay well this sounds like somebody who really needed some serious help you know some words about like obsession ocd things were thrown around like that in his court cases but there was no mention of him having to have a psychiatric evaluation or mm. getting any sort of support so he's a beast though isn't it exactly and i and i do think that if this was a white man i do think that you would still get the same sort of stories because it's such an odd thing to have somebody who's serially known to ask guys if they can if you can like feel their muscles and so I don't think it wouldn't have been a story but I just think it would have been treated as less of a joke yeah I guess yeah, yeah, yeah. and he wouldn't have been made out to be this like yeah like big black joke basically yeah and that's the, the bit you touched on there for me was the humor with which people like talk about it like you could scroll through frows and you see the the way it's kind of re like viewed now as you said like it was you know to an extent assaulting people like mm -hmm. it is harassing people and as you said if, if it was a woman i wouldn't want to imagine like what would have happened to that person it wouldn't yeah for as long as it is now so i guess that i've been i'd love to have a further conversation at another time on this platform about the way in which particularly men will try and shield themselves with with some pretty pretty base level humor if you can call it that totally. to to avoid you know confronting something serious that's a threat either a threat to them or exposing themselves mm -hmm. because you know it's 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 okay to be scared by things and it's okay to take things serious and say you know what that's that's pretty horrible like mm -hmm. how it goes out to whoever you know the, the guy that is that was that met uh, met his death because he was so scared that he, he was forced to, you know, do something which put himself in yeah. danger. Yeah. So, I mean, it's expect. Um, it's what I expected to see when I, you know, I fired up, I fired up the timeline. But it doesn't make it any, any more disappointing. I would mm. say. Yeah, yeah. I I could understand the disappointment, but I, yeah. Again, I think that for me, it's the why didn't this person get help? And to your point. I think that it wasn't given the attention and respect it deserved because it was men, northern men, mm. <laughs> feeling 
uncomfortable but not wanting to reckon with that discomfort or maybe potentially seem weak or mm. whatever well, we just talked about like the the difference it would have been if it was a woman would people be saying why didn't you get help if he was doing this to women no i don't think they would but i think he's so still does, i think it's still help i because i think if somebody you know is being accused of having an obsessive compulsion to do something that I personally believe in like abolition. Like I don't think he's actually physically harmed anyone as far as I'm mm. aware. And I think mm. that if somebody clearly has some mental health issues going on, that that person should be evaluated rather than, and, and this would go the same for women. If somebody was like some creep was coming up and like creeping out women and asking them weird questions, I can understand the fear from feeling like threatened by that, but I also wouldn't want to throw that person in jail. I would hope that that person would have some sort of help. No, I, I agree with you. I just, I just found it interesting because I think when we speak about these kinds of things, when it is men to men, it's a very, very different conversation. And I'm not sure I would have that same kind of energy if, it, if he was doing this to women. Yeah, I, I mean, it's I just easier just like lock him up, throw away the key. Totally, and it's easier to be theoretical about it and like here in the now, feeling very safe. I probably, you know, it's easy for me to say, "Oh, let's help someone." I don't believe in, you know, I'm an abolitionist and this, that, and the other. But then when you actually experience that kind of fear or threat, you, it's human to be like, just get rid of the problem. Mm. And as well, I'm speaking about this man as an also relatively big black man. Yeah, and rightly or wrongly, a lot of smaller non-black people of the same gender as Aki will possibly look at him the same way that women have to look at men in terms of this man could do me some real physical damage if he so decided to. So it's like, should the dynamic really be seen as any different? Um, in my opinion, I don't think the situation should be taken, well, I don't know, actually. This is the reason I asked it because it. I don't yeah, know either. I, don't know. I really don't know either. The, the talk about the ability to defend yourself effectively, and yes, there's a hell of a lot of women that could defend themselves effectively against a hell of a lot of men. But typically, there is a power dynamic, there's a stature dynamic yeah. that would make it so that the man in those circumstances is usually at a physical advantage. And it's perceived, I think, mm -hmm. differently when someone is a black man versus a white man. But if that white man perceives the black person who might only be a little bit bigger than him, but as being a bigger person than they actually are and being a bigger threat, then it's a very different dynamic. So it's kind of like- I think it's so context dependent because also if you're a woman who is, <laughs> like let's say you're a woman who is bigger, muscular, athletic, really backs herself and there's a smaller guy who is threatening to you, again, that perception might be different. Yeah. So. It's a, it's a tough one because yeah, it, there's perception and then there's also the actual real yeah. threat. Mm. And, and the history, the history of violence as well. Yeah. Like there's more of a history of men being violent to women than a lone black man being violent to white men in the North of England. Yes, that is correct. Black in a box. Like stick 50 pence in him. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I've, lost, I've lost my head. I've lost my head. <laughs> Me is Done out. <laughs> Holiday tomorrow, at least. This has been another episode of Black in a Box. Dan. Alana. Dom. Man like. We out. <laughs>